Welcome to Say What Needs Saying. I'm Zach. I'm here with Brandon. Hey guys. And so today we're talking about the riots that were going on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and specifically the case of Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old that has come up in the news a lot lately because he was there with a gun and wound up shooting three people. It's caused a lot of division on what the perception of it was and whether or not it was justified or legal and a lot of other concerns have come up. So we just wanted to give some brief background for those of you who aren't as familiar with what's going on. So first I wanna show you guys a brief video that shows a couple different angles, camera angles of the incidents. And so in case you haven't seen them or don't know what we're talking about. And then after that, we'll just go through briefly what the actual charges were that were brought up against Kyle. And then we'll jump into discussion. We'll see what you guys think. This video does have graphic portions. So if you are at all squeamish or afraid of guns or, or violence, just be aware that this is footage of the shootings at various parts um, and parts are graphic. So just be aware of that. Viewer discretion is advised. <laughs> yes. And so currently, this starts before the actual incident. So from there, we'll, we'll just go up. Now we're all the way back by the gas station again. I'm sure they have a lot of bottles of water. Nice truck, man. You're going to have to get out of there. You're just about to fly. You're going to have to move south or you're going to get off this block. This is the last point. As you can see, they're. <laughs> Do you have a good angle? <laughs> yeah, very cool. And are you guys local or no? Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. I'm Kyle, by the way. I'm Rocky We'll do this. Coronavirus. Oh, dude, I'm not afraid of no coronavirus. Yeah. In fact, my shirt underneath, it says, uh, I survived the coronavirus. There you go. Yeah, it's very possible. Um, was that? Oh, bro. Uh, believe it or not, I've been doing this for about 12 years, so. How old are you? 41. And, uh,. You know, if you guys see me get hit. Oh. 
run, Rita, run. Bullish. They shoot him. I felt them just go by. No way, he shot that motherfucker. Oh my god, he shot the guy. Holy. He shot him. Holy. Call 911. He's down. This dude running did it. Take screenshots. That dude shot him. That dude just shot that dude. So the orders, the orders you hear about yelling no cameras, them is white boys. Yeah, that's Antifa, man. Ooh, we got a gun, baby. Ooh, they shot you. Ooh, he shot him.
Perfect as that may be, that's the discussion that we're going to have today. Right. We just want to go through the actual charges that are up against Kyle just before we discuss what actually happened and what we think about what happened um, so that you guys are aware of what charges are put in place. He's charged with two counts of first-degree murder, first of which is first-degree reckless homicide, use of a dangerous weapon. This is the first person that he had shot in the clip where he had shot him in the head and he then later died. So he's got one charge of first-degree reckless homicide for that. Um, he has a charge of first-degree recklessly endangering safety and use of a dangerous weapon. This is for endangering the safety of Richard McGinnis. This was a reporter that was actually right by the, the first incident and works for, I believe, the Daily Mail. And so he was right there. And so this is what that charge is related to. He then has a, another first-degree murder charge, a first-degree intentional homicide. This is then the second person that he shot. Uh, this was the person that came up to him with a skateboard and then was shot in the stomach and then later died. There is attempted first-degree intentional homicide. And this, I believe, is for the person with the handgun that he shot third. I'm not positive, but this is then attempted first-degree murder. The last charges he has first degree recklessly endangering the safety of another person. And then finally, there's possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. Kyle is 17 years old, and in Wisconsin, it's illegal to actually open carry a, a gun when you are under 18. Right. So, so those are the charges. That's what's been brought up against him, um, and that, those were the clips. And so there's a lot of talk going around about whether or not it's self-defense, whether he is a, I've seen white supremacist and domestic terrorists being tossed around. I've seen all kinds of different takes on this. So we wanted to just open it up to everyone here and just kind of jump into it. So anyone can jump in first just with any, you know, broad thoughts you've got or feelings about the case or, or anything for right now. And then we can kind of play it by ear. You should all be unmuted now. And so feel free to either use the Zoom chat function or just speak into your mic if you'd prefer to do that, whichever you feel most comfortable with. Hello, everybody. So uh, thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, I guess I'll just open up by saying, uh, you know, obviously the group that was out, uh, you know, early in the morning, late at night, uh, were out expressing their emotions, their thoughts, their feelings past curfew. So not only, in my opinion, were they not supposed to be out, uh, but Kyle should not have been there either. Uh, he's underage. It's past curfew. It's, you know, past state lines. There's a lot that goes into it. Uh, but what I look at specifically with uh, is it self-defense is the initial chase, you know, whenever Kyle is chased by Joseph. Uh, and, and the chase ensues just for so long uh, that in a 17-year-old's mind, I'm sure he felt threatened to some degree, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. And so one thing that I've seen pointed out about that is that before in the video, you could hear before the shots that were fired by Kyle, you could hear one other shot. And so that was actually from one unrelated shooter in the area who is holding a pistol up in the air. And so he held the pistol up in the air, he let a shot off. And then you see Kyle turning around then after the shot. Um, so presumably, yeah, it, it could be the case that he heard that shot even and turned around and being chased, you know, still and, and could have been scared. Yeah. Now, the question that a lot of people are ever bringing up in regards to the self-defense or can he pose self-defense, you know, in the court of law is that regardless of him being there or whichever his home reside, 
Why is it? Why exactly can he claim self-defense the minute he's driven or whether he drives himself some odd minutes across state lines? Like how many charges? I think that's like the main argument. How come he's even allowed to be charged as? Apparently, he's not even being charged as an adult. I heard. I wasn't sure how valid can, those can be in this particular in the the charges brought up. I'm not sure if they can differentiate. You um, know, he's under 18, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. People have been charged as like 15 year olds as adults. Yeah. You know, it, it could go either way. You know, um, it, it's it's weird how that works. Yeah, I mean, I was just, I don't understand. I, I, obviously, his defense is going to, they're going to try and claim self-defense. I don't know how that can actually go in the court of law. Because then, like, you know, whoever was just said, he went out there himself. Like, he, he, he decided to go out there and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, they're going to claim it. And, yeah, they're going to fight for not charging him as an adult. I don't see how that's going to fly, though, either. We have to ask ourselves if Joseph Rosenbaum had a right to chase and threaten Kyle, you know, was what he was doing right? Well, apparently there was like some other footage of where they are just arguing. It doesn't, I don't think it shows Kyle, but it does show Rosenbaum being the aggressor. And apparently from the context of the video, Kyle was walking around and they were going to start a fire and Kyle asked them to stop and not start the fire. And that's what initially gave chase to the first scene where we see Kyle shooting off those first four shots and hitting Rosenbaum in the head. I mean, in my personal opinion, I like I can see how they'll fight for the self-defense because Kyle was fleeing the scene and was given chase by several people. But again, at the same time, I feel like he also purposely put himself in a dangerous situation, especially given that this is not his home state. I feel like mm -hmm. if this was his home state, I would be a little more unbiased in being like yeah let's charge him with like the fullest extent because at least you could be like well he was defending his hometown or something but he purposely crossed state lines obtained a weapon which he wasn't legally supposed to have and then went out to apparently go quote unquote stop people from um, looting and rioting and I mean I just don't know what that means if you're gonna quote unquote stop people it doesn't mean you're gonna shoot them like I just feel like mm -hmm. he kind of brought this all on himself and I feel like like the reckless homicide charges are appropriate. So, I agree. So some background to touch on what you had brought up. Before this incident, they were at a gas station. And yeah, there was a big encounter between the, the two sides. I guess you could call them Rosenbaum and the people he was with. Uh, and then Kyle and the people he was with. And they had set a dumpster on fire. And there's then video of Kyle running up with a fire extinguisher. And so I don't know if he was the one to put it out or not, but presumably that directly preceded the first shooting and directly it was about a block away from the first shooting. And so presumably that was at least somewhat related to its starting. You brought up the other charges and multiple people have talked about the crimes and things. I don't know, legally speaking, uh, I don't know how that plays into self-defense with a lethal weapon. I don't know if there's a stipulation that if you are currently committing other crimes like this, that mm. that it makes it harder to claim self-defense, right? When you're when you're in that situation, a couple of you have touched on it. You know, he put himself in that situation, yeah. et cetera. The counter argument to that, um, since I, I gave the one side, the other side would be that there is also footage where he has come out saying that he was there to offer medical support. He was there as an EMT and to help people and to help protect people. And so while you could argue that he put himself in the situation, 
I wouldn't be surprised if in on the legal side, you could argue about his intentions being good and then that making it less of an issue that, that he had been committing the other crimes. I'm not sure. I don't know what that is. And frankly, we don't know what his real intentions were. So there's no way to really know. We do have another comment in the chat that says he wanted to be a 17-year-old vigilante. I've seen this one tossed around a lot too. And I think it's come down to, you know, it, it's devolved from that then to people saying that he wanted to shoot people. He wanted to go there to kill people. Even Trevor Noah had said something along the lines of people don't go to another state to protect a business that isn't theirs. No one's out here saying that I'm going to go fight to defend that TJ Maxx. They go there to, to kill people, to shoot people. You know, um, something that I think is worth bringing up is Kyle obviously doesn't have the best judgment. Video has surfaced online of Kyle a couple weeks before this event, uh, and he seems to be involving himself in a fight between females uh, and even possibly uh, getting a few swings in and, and hitting these girls. So Kyle obviously doesn't have the best judgment, obviously ha shouldn't have put himself in that situation. And so, you know, I, I tend to agree as well. You know, you can't really claim self-defense if you aren't mature enough to defend yourself in a way that is safe for everyone around you. With that, with that, what you just said, do you think that his defense could actually use that in keeping it from being or having him charged as an adult, that immaturity? Yes. And that's what one of the uh, lawyers that supported the NRA was talking about. They were saying that depending on the state of which you reside of which the crime uh, happens, or I think it's either where it happens or where the gun is registered, you can use an illegal firearm in defense when, it's, when, when the defense has a stand your ground or self-defense. That, in addition to him being young, can play into that self-defense thing that he didn't know what he was doing. He had bad judgment. That will be the, uh, his, the, their intended outcome on that side. Well, I actually got into an argument on Facebook with somebody and they screenshotted like the Wisconsin state um, self-defense law. But what they actually didn't do was scroll down and read the entire self-defense law. <laughs> and it actually says that your self-defense privileges are revoked if you are engaging in their, under criminal activity or doing something illegal. So technically, because he was in a state where he wasn't even legalized to carry a gun, um, you could possibly argue that his self-defense privileges are lost. But I mean, it depends on the lawyer that might be representing him because, you know, a lot of people in Wisconsin they hold guns very tightly to them, so they're always going to use the self-defense claim because in the video he was being chased and only let, like only shot the people who were directly attacking him. Right, and even the extreme of it, you know, you saw in the video with the last person that he had shot, he was restrained up until the very end, not necessarily trying to justify his actions or not, but the person that approached him with the handgun originally didn't pull the handgun and aim it at him, and Kyle didn't shoot. And then once he pulled the handgun, then he shot and he shot him in the arm as well. One important thing to bring up that is along the same points that Brandon, I think you were bringing up is that Wisconsin doesn't actually have a stand your ground law. That case may fall through for Kyle. If this were in a state where they had a stand your ground law, that may be slightly easier for them to claim self-defense. They do have what's called a castle doctrine 
which basically it makes it okay to use deadly force when someone is entering your property. So your home, your, your vehicle, your place of business, and when someone is already in that place unlawfully and, and you are there and know that they got in there unlawfully. That said, that again, probably doesn't apply to Kyle in this situation because it wasn't his business and it wasn't his property that he was presumably defending, right? That was allegedly he was there to defend a car dealership, but it wasn't his car dealership. So he also can't claim the, the castle doctrine either. And so it's going to be a tough sell on, on self-defense. The argument is clearly there in the absence of the other crimes because he did run away, like some of you have pointed out. He did restrain himself from shooting until presumably necessary, but he was breaking curfew. He was holding a weapon unlawfully because he was underage. He was, you know, all of these other laws that were broken. Yeah, and I, I've even seen instances, I, I have personally experienced a instance where the castle doctrine was fallible for the person whose house it occurred in because the individual who broke into their house did not have a deadly weapon. They had a baseball bat and uh, the person who lived in the home ended up killing them. And uh, yeah, we might see something similar here where they tell Kyle, yeah, he didn't have a weapon. Uh, but then you also have to look at Joseph a Joseph's actions where uh, he did make a motion where it seemed like he was going to take the weapon from Kyle. So just a lot to look at here. Yeah, it's a tough case. I'll ask because all of you are anonymous. Is anyone of the opposite take that absolutely does not think this was self-defense that believes that this was just an act of, I don't know, what whatever you want to describe it as, domestic terrorism, white supremacy, just outright crime or murder? Any stances from that perspective? Because we've had multiple, you know, kind of in the middle or on the self-defense side of things. I'm kind of leaning towards the, like, his intent was to go over there. Like, like you were saying earlier, the Trevor Noah was talking about that he was going to defend a business that he didn't own or whatever. But he went there with intention with a gun. And he has, he's smart enough to know that this is illegal. Uh, he's in a different state illegally. He's over curfew illegally with intention to, like, that's the thing. I'm very curious to see what type of statement he would make, like, in court and stuff. I don't know when that would even come out in the first place, probably like a year from now. I don't know how public this trial will be. But I'm curious what he's going to state that what his intention was going over there. Like, Zach, you were saying something about, like, the being uh, uh, there for aid or, like, an EMT. If I was hurt, I'm probably not going to walk up to a person who has a very large weapon, and I don't know who's been shooting, and I don't know who's bad or who's good. You know what I mean? I, I don't think that I would try to confide in him to, to assist anything with that weapon. And I think it goes down to what he says was his intention. I think his intention was, I don't know if it was to ensue violence, but it definitely wasn't to, I don't think it was to keep people safe. It sounds like the, like, that's the police's job. That's not his job. He took it into his own hands, which I, I think I read something about how he was like in a camp or he was a part of like a troop that was involved with police and, and training and stuff because he wanted to be an officer in the future once he becomes an adult and everything. But it's like, now is not your time. You're still underage, you know? Like, that's kind of my standpoint on it. Uh, and it's interesting because he would let, he had all these uh, aspirations of being a cop, but he's had, I think it was over like six different misdemeanors right. uh, trailing him. And But before we get into that, we're going to address some of the things said in the chat 
Uh, first one says that he wanted to be a 17-year-old vigilante. Uh, we think we already addressed that one. And it says, the next one says, I think he went down, went there looking for someone to shoot. And you would think that when you go with a deadly weapon, you didn't go with a bat. You know, people rob houses with bats, apparently, uh, not AR-15. <laughs> you, don't go to, uh, you don't go to defend a car dealership with an AR-15. So another person said, I agree that he probably wouldn't wait to find a reason to use that weapon. I agree, too. It says, not to mention, I'm not going to a 17-year-old EMT. <laughs> right. It's tough to know because, obviously, we don't know his motives. Obviously, we don't know what was going on before this outside of the little bit of video that has come out about the gas station and the car dealership and the, the scuffles and fights that were going on there. But it's definitely, it definitely seems like when you go to a situation like that, you kind of know what you're getting into. You know that there's rioting going on. You know, someone had mentioned that you know that there's curfew. You know that, presumably, you know that there's underage carry laws, or rather laws restricting underage carry. That said, I don't know if I would call the average 17-year-old super smart. <laughs> so I don't know how much of that I expect him to know beforehand. Now, does that make it right? No, he's still responsible for it. But I don't necessarily know if he would have brushed up on Wisconsin law before he went there. Absolutely not. The person that provided him the gun also is, should play a hand in that level of negligence. At a one point in time, well, I believe that whatever person provided the said weapon uh, should also be an accessory to murder. If he has murder charges, I believe his mother, uh, Wendy of some sort, she should play a part as well and then be brought up on the same charges that her son is being brought up on. Yeah, potentially. Um, so we got one more comment that we wanted to address. It's asking, it says, Kyle stayed on the scene the moments after his first shots were fired. Yeah, so you couldn't really tell that well from the first couple videos, but then after there was one that showed him very clearly just standing there and he hopped on the phone. I'm not entirely sure who he was calling. I've heard some reports that he was calling police. I've heard some reports that he was just calling a friend, but you can hear him in some of the, the clearer, closer videos saying, I just killed someone. And so he did stay and, and say that. And then it seemed like it wasn't until right when people started pointing at him and chasing him that then he took off and started booking it. Well, if you look at the right at the end of it, there are also reports and it kind of shows it in the video. He's, it seems like he's trying to give himself up to the officers that are, that are driving up. But, you know, they're, they're worried about the, the gunshots. that are fired. Even though people are yelling, hey, that's the guy. He just shot somebody. Because he's got his hands up. Clearly, he's got his hands up. Uh, I don't know. if It looks like at one point he spoke to an officer in the car, and I don't know what that exchange was, but he backed off. And then, yeah, that's when everyone says, you know, he got in his car and drove back home. It's as if they didn't think to question the person with a giant weapon. Well, I mean, that was the kid that I'm assuming it's the same group of officers that, you know, passed him the water earlier. So he's probably met them and spoke to him a few hours prior to this. But I, I, I want to point out, and it's, it's not agreeing with anything he's done at all. If he gets charged with murder, I'm cool with that, to be honest. But with all the stuff that's been going on with these riots over the last few months, there's been a lot of, no one really follows the curfews when this stuff happens in those areas. It's, it's very rare. There's always something going on. Curfew, yeah, that makes it wrong, 100%. But as you can clearly see, both the people supposedly that he was with to protect whatever business and the people on the other side doing the protests and whatnot, all out after curfew and a lot of times there have been a lot of instances in other cities where protests have happened where cops just seem to just stand aside and let things happen 
obviously if you got civilians and he wasn't, you know, was it 20 minutes, 30 minute drive from his house, whatever it was, I'm sure he knew people over there. Even if he didn't, he knew something was going to happen and he figured, you know, heck, you know, if cops aren't out there, they're just letting it happen, then, you know, somebody's got to stand up. And so I'm sure that's probably something he felt, you know, I want to be a cop. I want to be this. I want to be that. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do my duty. And he, he got in way over his head. He, you know, he's got, he's got firearm training. The kid's a good shot, sad to say. That last guy touched upon a part that's kind of been the underlying reason for the, I guess, the lack of understanding for why a self-defense clause can be there is because another quote-unquote white kid with a gun walking in front of cops, so the freedom to do, you know, to flee a state when we can't even, you know, flee a car. You're right. You know, one of the big aspects that's come up in these discussions is the perceived hypocrisy of specifically the Kenosha Police Department, but police in general, especially after the Jacob Blake incident had happened quite recently in the same city with the same police department, and there were two very different outcomes. Did you see that meet the uh, the video of the white cop doing the same thing that uh, that that one guy that got paralyzed did? I don't think so. No. For those of you who had just joined and just got admitted, we were just touching on the police and the perceived hypocrisy between treatment of white and black suspects or white and black people, um, and specifically with the Kenosha Police Department. And then Brandon was bringing up a separate video. Yeah, I've never seen it, so I don't know if you wanted to go through it or describe what you were talking about. Or if anyone uh, else knows the video you were talking about. So we're currently we're currently looking at the riots that's happening in Wisconsin. But we have to revert back to understanding about why exactly these riots were happening in the first place. And this is when um, uh, he saw apparently he saw a fight, allegedly saw a fight and was breaking it up with his kids in the car. And the cops was walking behind him. He was trying to uh, evade and go back to his car to drive away. And the cops followed behind him. And he opened up his car and the police uh, shot him in the back seven times. Now, typically situations like this. Fortunately, the person would pass away, uh, but he lived, but he is now paralyzed from the waist down and handcuffed to his bed. That's the oh, current. that was the video. Okay. I thought you were talking about someone outside of Jacob. No, no, no. Right, right, right. That, no, no. There's luckily, he is, now, uh, he is now no longer handcuffed, luckily, but that is absurd. Right. Yeah. However, with that being said, that's the video that I had to give the basis for. The okay. video that came out, or at least was uh, circulated today, was that it was an officer walking up to a white individual uh, with a pickup truck. The audio is very clear. He's saying, I'm going to kill you. Wait right here. I'm going to kill you. Saying all these inflammatory words and whatnot. Person walked into his car, no shots fired, still yelling out with another person in the car. The, the, the cop's still there pointing his gun at him. And the question is, and I guess from months and months of seeing this played on the news and on social media constantly, how come this cop had restraint in shooting this individual? when other people show no restraint shooting seven shots. You know, you're an officer, you don't need to use force. It's deadly force when trying to get someone's attention. You can easily tackle them, there's other maneuvers. Why is the question of deadly force such a impulsive response from what we see from our police across the country? Right, well, and I wanna to touch on, so one of the comments we got was pointing out that I said perceived hypocrisy. <laughs> And so I think that, so the reason that I said perceive for one is just because I don't want to necessarily take sides. I just want to say that that is what is the conversation is about is that there is this perception of hypocrisy. The other side is that they are two still very different situations. And you can argue that one was handled poorly and one was handled well or whatever. But at the end of the day, they are still two different instances. But I do think that it is important to distinguish between the, the two instances in that 
yes, deadly force is a last resort, but it was still after trying to tackle him and after trying to tase him two times that then when he reached in the car, he shot. I think that directly equating the two situations is a little bit of a false equivalency, but it does point to differences in how in how the situations were handled. Absolutely. I didn't even notice that the cop tased him uh, twice. I didn't even see that. Yeah, so both both cops were had uh, had tried to tase him. I don't know whether they both worked and he just walked through it, or if the tasers didn't work and that was why it didn't drop him, or or what the actual situation was. I don't know all the facts, but but yeah, so they had tried to tase him previous to to shooting him when he was going into the car. I want to talk about you know with the whole why, why was it seven times? Why was it seven times? Now I'm. I've always asked, you know, why can't they just like go for a leg or something like that? If something if something's going down, why do you gotta essentially go for the kill? So I don't know where everyone around here is from. I'm from a small town here in the South. And I've reached out to a few of my cop buddies and to ask them that, that question, like why is it? And I I was sent an article. Basically what that post and I don't agree with it. To me it's it's ridiculous. It says that essentially, if they fear for their lives, they have to take out the threat, not limit the threat, not weaken the threat. They are trained to take out the threat. And I think majority of people in the country, in the world agree, police reform needs to happen. But like, for instance, in, if the, in that article, what, there's a piece where the, the guy talks about how, you know, why, you don't, why they don't aim for the arms, why they don't aim for the legs, why they go for center mass. And yeah, we know center mass, you know, it's big, it's easier to hit, yada, yada. But then he, he goes into, you know, if, they, if they've got a weapon, they got to neutralize the weapon. All right. Well, I mean, if you get them in the arm, if you're able to, if you have a good shot like that, you can take the arm out so where they can't swing at you with whatever weapon or a gun. And if you can't shoot at the arm, then you, that right there, okay, well, then you need more training. You know, yes, that's a difficult shot, but if you keep at it, you could get good, good with it. But everyone, I think, agrees that police reform needs to happen, additional training, better training, better screening for these people, because, yeah, the job's difficult. So if you're not mentally prepared, so you got to get out. I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's, and it's not going to be your fault, man. If, if you see something... And something happens to you, and the, yesterday you were you were you were the perfect candidate, you know, police officer, holy grail, you know what the the what every police precinct looks for, but then something happens and it messes you up, man. And not all not everybody's cut out for that kind of job. And if you can't take it, it's nothing against you to have to you know step aside. And I think a lot of it is just yeah, they see stuff or they don't see stuff enough. So when something does happen, they don't know how to react and they freak out and you know go trigger happy, essentially pulling it with with disregard. So a lot of it's just they're they're not they're not mentally ready, and without everything going on, all of them right now high tensions are high all over the place, and it's like damn, you know damn if I do, damn if I don't, what, what do I do? Because you know you got some cities that just the police kind of like step aside and let things happen, and others are digging in the hills, being like you're not gonna get rid of us or whatnot. It's a sticky situation, man. It is a sticky, sticky, tricky situation. I think because of how sticky it is, I think a lot of people are starting to get fed up or at least starting to uh, lose their quote unquote, lose their cool that these sticky situations always lead to a black person dying. Someone brought up, uh, they said, I was on Facebook and they said that can't make any, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, white people still lead the amount of shootings happen 201 to 111. I was like, it's a shame you do not you do not know how to do uh, percentages because if fifteen percent of the if thirteen percent of the population holds yeah. one deaths, but that's you know that's <laughs> incomparable. Uh, Zach, if you like, would you like to? I don't know if you posted it or someone else posted um, it. 
I don't think it was me. But yeah, like this is something that happens multiple times. I do think that the common counter argument to what you were talking about, Brandon, mm -hmm. um, with the percentages is that while it's only 13% of the population, when you look at things like violent crime rates and police interactions, that it's much higher. And so proportionally speaking there, in relation to population, it is much more disproportionately black when it comes to police shootings. When it comes to crime rates or police encounters, it, that is when it's more disproportionately white. And so I wonder if that's what the person that you were talking about was, was talking about, um, or if they may have just been talking about the raw numbers too. Yeah, I was going to say for the Jacob Blake case, right? I just, you know, with the shots, I, again, I, I think the shooting was justified because he was resisting arrest and they did try multiple times to take him down. But my whole thing is that he was shot seven times in the back. Mm -hmm. And now you don't do that if you're trying to apprehend somebody. You do that if you're trying to kill somebody because at that close range, they could have easily aimed for a shoulder, a leg, mm -hmm. an arm but yet they chose to shoot seven times in the back. And then this leads to like the racial bias that a lot of these cops have, which is, it's the same thing from the Jacob Blake to the Kyle Rittenhouse case. How was Kyle not seen as a threat in an active shooter situation? They have no idea where these gunshots are coming from, but yet they have a person walking towards them with a assault style weapon and they don't make any effort to apprehend them. Yeah, Jacob Blake, who is trying to uh, evade and escape a situation, is seen as a threat. And it just goes to even how um, Kyle and Jacob Blake were perceived in the media. All of a sudden, Kyle is this do-gooding mi minor who is cleaning graffiti off of the walls and aspiring to be a cop. And Jacob Blake was a criminal with a arrest warrant on him, even though when they came to apprehend him, they didn't actually know that he had a criminal record. They were, I'm assuming they were just trying to apprehend everybody at the scene because they didn't actually have an idea of what was going on. It's just like the race, not only do police need to just be better trained and be in the program for longer, I think six months is too short of a time to fully train a cop. But it just shows that even in the courtrooms of America and the media of America, we need to see the racial bias on how people are just um, perceived in the media. I don't think, unfortunately, Kyle may be 17, but I don't really think he should be charged as a minor, mainly because there have been kids younger than him, especially Black kids younger than him with no criminal histories, no misdemeanors, that have been charged for as an adult and have gone to jail for full life term sentences. Um, somebody even brought this up on Facebook that Kyle is being seen as a minor, but yet we had an actual minor, a black kid of 16 who stole a backpack and he was charged and sat in Rikers for three months and he was innocent. So it's just like, I, like, I, I have a lot of problems with the court system, but I just feel like they need to be fair and he needs to be tried as an adult because he, he shot and killed two people. Sounds like someone wanted to chime in and said that they did think that Kyle was a threat. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to Kyle being tried as an adult. Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes out of those cases. Uh, but, you know, the, the moments after uh, the third individual was shot by Kyle, you know, whenever Kyle does get away from the group that was following him, you know, he's walking towards police uh, and he does put his hands up, but 
you know, in two separate videos, you can hear the police telling Kyle, you, you with the long gun, you know, stay away, get out of the street, you know, don't walk towards us. And whenever Kyle eventually does make it up to the police, they're telling him to back away from the cars. The difference is that there was a large group of people with weapons. Uh, Kyle had already been in communication with that same group of police earlier in the night. Uh, so while there is some hypocrisy with how you know, the uh, Kenosha police view the white and black community, uh, the situations are entirely different. They did view him as a threat, but the information that he gave them that somebody was hurt was much more important to them at the time. Yeah, that's true. They were they were definitely pointing him out and, and pointing out, you know, the person with the long gun has to stand back or whatever. That said, I think the main argument is that while they may have seen him as a threat, they didn't see him as enough of a threat to yeah. shoot. They absolutely should right. have stopped him, questioned him and all of that. Absolutely. From what we saw in the news, or at least from the different occurrences, many people don't have the opportunity to get, to get stopped and questioned. Mm -hmm. One of the examples is that mm -hmm. Junior Rice was in the park. 13-year-old, someone called the cops and said this 25-year-old was in the park. The guy had a BB gun. And in 3.4 seconds upon the cops approaching, he was shot by authorities. That's the difference. There's no questioning. There's no alarm system to tell him to back away. They heard something that a black man was dangerous and they shot him. And I'm not, I said black man. You're right. That's a great in, point. Incorrectly. I said man incorrectly. I mean, a 13-year-old in Chicago in 3.4 seconds was shot. That's the difference that many people, I guess, overlook. I want to say forget, but I'm trying to be more uh, bipartisan. Uh, we're going to get to the comments uh, blowing up on the side here. Some of those for me. <laughs> oh, oh, man, you got me confused. I just saw yeah. So it just, we got a couple people, I think, that want to chime in. A couple people have their hands up in the chat. I think they've had them for a while. And then someone else said that they want to add two things. Um, so we'll go ahead and start with the, so I'm going to lower one of the anonymous. I'm going to lower your hand. Uh, you can go ahead uh, now with your point. Okay, so yeah, I just wanted to say that I think people are saying a lot about police needing better training. And while I agree that's very true, the police are trained, like it was said earlier, to take out the threat. Now, I understand, and again, let me preface this by saying shots two through seven were unnecessary, in my opinion. However, if the guy has been tased twice or attempted to be tased twice, you're going through the motions of him going around the car. He's reaching into the car. They did find out about his other issues, his outstanding warrants, as they were getting there. But all of that barred aside, if you have somebody you're trying to control and contain, and they're going to their car and they're reaching into their car, if you shoot them in the shoulder, there is nothing saying that that person won't still be able to get their gun, their knife, whatever it is that they're going for, if that's what they're going for, and still be able to shoot you or still be able to hurt you. So I appreciate the fact that police do need longer and more in-depth training, but I think that the training that they need has to surround more of the mental health issues that have now been coming up so frequently in our society. That's the type of training that they need. I think it would be a huge mistake to start training police officers to go for a shoulder or go for a knee. I mean, my gosh, we've all seen plenty of action movies where somebody hits them in the shoulder and they still get shot. So whether it's in the movies or in real life, you're not going to take a chance and take someone out in the shoulder 
and then not be going home to your husband or wife or your kids for dinner that night because you didn't take out the thread. You just paused it for a second. So one of the comments said after you, right after you spoke said right the officer shooting a shoulder still leave the cop can still leave the cop vulnerable and someone said backing up uh, since we moved along fast and I didn't get to speak I have a counter argument for the number of shots I think it's a little exaggerated if you think about that seven shots were divided between two officers and they are trained as much as they can to avoid kill shots. You can't let someone get closer to potential hostages. You have to kill a threat before it escalates. Is it excessive? Depends on whether he stopped or moved forward. If you'd like to hear more on this topic, check out part two. We continued the conversation and we touched on several important issues along the way. Check it out. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Say What Needs and on Instagram and Facebook at Say What Needs Saying for live updates and sound bites from our actual podcast. Don't forget to continue the discussion. Thank you for listening. Thanks.